Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. I want to talk to you about fear or the fact, the reason why we shouldn't be in fear, why we shouldn't live a life of fear. The Bible tells us over and over and over again these three words. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. There's a myth that goes around that says that there's, it's written in the Bible 365 times. That there's a, there's a do not fear for every day of the year. That's not true. It's a hundred and something times, which if God says something one time, that should be enough. If God says something a hundred and something times, maybe we should pay attention to it. We should not be people that live in fear. We have to stop determining who we are, what we're going to do, and how we're going to do it based on our own limitations and accept that God is capable of getting us where He's called us to and taking care of us and providing for us. Amen? And so I want to talk to you today about unmasking fear. And I'm going to do that hopefully out of the Word of God. We're going to come from Mark chapter 4. Starting in verse 35 through 41, I'll get back to that in a second. But before I do, I want to tell you a little bit about this Bible. This Bible was given to me by my pastor. Uh, many of you know who he is, and if you don't, um, you should. He gave it to me when he ordained me. And he wrote this in there. To Jim, it is my joy to participate in your ordination to pastor. I count you as a son in the Lord, and it my joy to grow in Christ with you. Preach this word and live by its precepts. His anointing is on you. His purpose for you is great. Maury Davis. And then underneath it, in parentheses, he wrote Isaiah 41.10. And so I want to read that to you today and then explain why I think he wrote that. Isaiah 41.10 says this, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, surely I will keep you, surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now I want to take this, I want to spend some time here, I want to camp here for a minute, because there are some incredibly declarative phrases that should bring us comfort in this one single passage. He says, do not fear. This is Isaiah speaking on behalf of God. Do not fear for I am with you. So first, why shouldn't we be people of fear? Because God is with us. We can assure, we can rest assured that God is with us. That wherever we go, God goes with us. In fact, His Spirit is in us. And because God is all powerful and capable, when He's with us, we are capable of overcoming the world. That's what the Word promises us. And part of what's in the world is the fear that for whatever reason we refuse to set down. We have to get to a place where we recognize that we are not to fear because God is present. That we should not look anxiously about us, which means don't be afraid. For He is our God. Not only is He present, because let me tell you, He's in, present, he's in the presence of the unbeliever too. But praise God, as believers, He's not only with us, but as believers, He is our God, which means He is for us. 
which means that we have the ability to call Him Father, which means that we walk in intimacy that the unbeliever can't walk in, which means that we can acknowledge, recognize, stand on, take comfort in the fact that because God sees us and God is with us, that He provides for us like a Father provides for us. And none of us should walk around feeling empty or defeated or fearful or anxious because He is with us and He is our God. But let me tell you, you still live in the world. And struggles are still going to come. Problems are still going to present themselves. you still got to deal with the life that you live in. You're a citizen of heaven, but you're here on earth. And so He gives us this promise. I will strengthen you. No matter what you're going through, I'm here for you. Surely I will help you. When God says, surely I will help you, guess what? You can take comfort in the fact that God's going to help you. Because God is not a liar. There's no shifting shadow in Him. What He tells you 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, is just just as true today as it was then. And I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So even when the world comes against you, even when there are problems, even when there are fears, even when there are, are trials and tribulations, you count on one thing, that the mighty hand of God, the righteous mighty hand of God is capable of not only holding you, but lifting you above that which would oppress you and keep you down and cause you fear in your life. I love this verse because my pastor understood that there would be times when I would be afraid. But I don't have to stand in that anxiety. I don't have to stand in that fearfulness. What I have to do is I have to open up the Word of God, see Isaiah 41.10, and recognize this truth. And I'm going to read it to you all the way through one more time. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's so good. I feel like literally I could be done right now. If we're talking about unmasking fear, how to take the fear away and let the truth of the Word of God show on our face, I could stop right there, but I don't want to stop right there. I want to continue because the Word of God is over and over and over saying these things. In Isaiah 43, 1, we read this. But now, thus says the Lord, your Creator, O Jacob, and He who formed you, O Israel. So He's just saying, listen, people that belong to me, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by, not, by name. You are mine. Take comfort in the Word of God this morning because it's so simple. He redeemed you. He bought you for a price. And because He bought you for a price, He's going to protect His investment. Thank you, Lord. How do we determine what price is? What, what, what determines the price of a thing? How much you're willing to give for it. I could go down here to Walmart, buy a t-shirt for seven bucks. Or I could go to Rodeo Drive in California and buy that same t-shirt for 250 bucks. You know why they're able to buy a t-shirt in Rodeo Drive for 250 bucks but only $7 in Lebanon? Because ain't nobody in Lebanon paying $250 for a t-shirt. And if you do, let me tell you about our building fund. Why do I bring this up? Because the, the amount you're willing to spend on a thing determines its value. Not the thing itself. 
And God determined to buy you through His Son, Jesus Christ. Which means that you have value that is incredible. If God is willing to give that which is most precious so that He might own you, know that He loves you and will protect you and watch after you and keep you. I have redeemed you, is what it says. That's so good. I know your name. You are mine. How many of you guys walk around, and I don't want to see a show of hands, but how many walk around wondering if God even sees you where you are? I do from time to time. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm in the middle of my craziness. The world's upside down. Money's not flowing exactly like it's supposed to. Angela, for whatever reason, has yelled at me because I did something manly in the house. You know, you could define manly however you want to, but probably needs yelling at. But either way, God sees me where I am. And he sees you where you are too. Jesus himself said that we can count on the peace that he delivers. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. If you're looking for worldly peace, you're probably not going to find it. Because the world's crazy. And the people in it are crazy. Amen? Pastor uh, Greg Brewer. Many of you know him. Some of you may not. The very first time we sat under his ministry, Pastor Rick raised us up to be small group leaders in his Sunday school class at the time. And so we had to go through small group leader training, and we're sitting up there, sitting in the crowd just like everybody else, wondering what we're doing, how can we do it, are we capable of doing it? All of the answers are no without God. And he says, before we get started, I want to tell you something. If you don't grab a hold of this, I want you to just walk out of the room. People are crazy. And then he talked about how people are crazy for 15, 20 minutes. They are crazy. Which is the reason why you can't count on the world or people to give you peace. Because none of us has truly found the peace we're looking for yet anyway. We find peace in Christ Jesus. He redeemed us. He called us by name. He sees us. He knows who we are. He holds us by His righteous right hand. Matter of fact, it's His righteousness that causes us to be in relationship with Him. We haven't done anything capable of being in relationship with Him, except that He determined to buy us. People are, I don't like that verbiage. I don't care what you like. You were a slave to sin. Now you better be a slave to righteousness. Amen. And so I want to talk to you today about all of that. That's just the intro. So... <laughs> it's all downhill from here. No, I'm just playing. I hope not. I want to talk about unmasking fear to let you understand that God has a better life planned for you than for you to walk around anxious all the time. And like I said, I'm going to do that out of Mark chapter 5 or chapter 4. If you'll read along with me, 35 through 41, it says, On that day when evening came, he said to them, this is Jesus, after a long day of ministry, looks at his disciples and said, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. It's reasonable that other boats would have been with him because you're not going to get 12 disciples or however many people happen to be there all in the same fishing boat. 
So other boats were with them. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? That's so funny to me. It's sad, but it makes me laugh. That they think that Jesus, God incarnate, doesn't care about them after they've already spent so much time with him. And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? You see the nexus? There's a nexus between lack of faith and the fear in your life. He says, Why are you afraid? Where is your faith? If you will build your faith, your fear will subside. If you build your fear, your faith will subside. You have to make a decision, which of these two, which one of these one are you going to stand on? Am I going to stand on the fear? Or am I going to stand on the faith that the Word of God is true over my life? That what God has done in my life is, 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 is enough. Already y'all are getting a completely different sermon than the first service got. They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen. So I want to talk to you guys today first about what causes fear out of this text and how to unmask that fear out of this text. Number one, fear is a product of the unknown, the unexpected, and the feeling of abandonment. I'm actually going to take two, two together of perceived abandonment. It's a product of the unknown, the unexpected, and a fear of abandonment. And we see that in, the, in these texts. First, the unknown often produces fear. 35 and 36 says this, On that day when evening came, he said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And so they had a, a fear, potentially a fear of the unknown. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't even know why they were going there. He just said, we're going to go over to the other side. And the why is because I said so. That's a word for somebody. Because you're holding on to a vision, a dream for your life that you haven't taken the first step for because God hasn't revealed the second step to you. Quit worrying about why and just take the step that God put in front of you. He'll show you the why eventually. I think, I think, him saying, let us go to the other side because I said so is enough to be obedient. I want you guys to live in victory. I want to live in victory. But you know, if I'd have never taken the first step, God would have never shown me the second step. Some of us want the fourth step before we're obedient in the first step. You're never going to find what you're looking for because faith is required for the second step. Why would I give you something that... I, I, I do marital counseling from time to time. I'm not good at it. Um, but I do that from time to time. I, I'm not good at counseling because I, I figure you came to me with a problem. You knew what the problem was. Let me show you. Since you already know what the problem is, let me show you in the Word the solution to the problem. Now go do that. But what I find is that the people that have the problem don't really want the problem solved. They just want to talk about the problem. So they never actually take the first step I give them, expecting then to come back the next time and me give them the second step. 
And usually I just say, you know what? Until you finish the first step, I'm not going to bother. If I'm not going to bother, why would you think God would bother? Take the first step. Because uncertainty, the fear of the unknown, which is one of the greatest fears that we have, keeps us from moving forward. Will always debilitate us. Will always cause us fear. It's the reason why the stock market fluctuates up and down when the political climates change. Because people are, oh, these people are about to get voted in. I'm going to take my money out. These people getting voted out, I'm going to put my money in. We saw it just this week with the impeachment stuff. The stock market fell for the day. It came back up. But over and over we see these things. It's the reason why Christopher Columbus was thought a crazy lunatic for sailing across the, around the world. Because they thought the earth was flat. But he walked in faith believing, based on what he read in the Word of God, just so you know, that the earth wasn't flat, that it was round, and that he would be okay. That he wasn't going to fall off the end of it. You know why there's so many people right now believing that the earth is flat? Because we quit reading the Word. So people are getting dumber. We've seen flat earthers in here. I'd be glad to show you the Word of God and where God revealed long before a, micro, a telescope could that the earth is round. I didn't mean to rant there. <laughs> so, let me, let me explain to you from a biblical perspective what I'm talking about. Abraham was asked to walk into the unknown. And his willingness to take the first step, when he may not have understood the second step, is what was counted to him as righteousness. Because he had to have faith to take the first step. What was the step? Leave her. Just leave her. Well, where do you want me to go? I'll tell you later. Leave her. I'm telling somebody in here, just leave her. If God's telling you to leave her, just leave her. Not her. <laughs> right? Some of y'all are all, Pastor Jim told me I got to leave you. <laughs> you are. And it was his one step of faith was counted as righteousness. When he went and was asked by God to sacrifice his son. His one step was counted to him as righteousness. What am I saying? I'm saying unexpected causes us fear. But there's so much blessing in the unexpected or the unknown also. Amen. Isn't there? I can't imagine if Angel and I had known steps 1, 2, 3, 4, 20, 100, however many steps we've taken so far from the time we first got saved. Because if I'd have known all the steps that I was going to have to take before giving my life to the Lord, I'd have waited. I'd be like, oh, you know what, I'm just going to get saved later. Because working in a parking lot was easy. A little bit harder when we got a team to work the parking lot. A little bit harder to lead a small group. A little bit harder to teach a Sunday school class. A little bit harder to go on pastoral staff. Start a men's ministry. Much harder to plant a church. Had he shown me all of those things, I don't know that I'd have had the confidence to take two steps. Trust that the one step is a protection for you. The unknown in your life is a protection for you. God wants to show you and reveal himself to you. Progressively. Not just so you can absorb it all, so that you can stay in a constant state of blessing and expectation. Because if I'd have had all that information at the beginning... My awe would have probably faded at some point. 
But every new step, I get a new awe, A-W-E. Then I take the next step, and I get a new awe, and I get a new awe. Take the first step. Recognize that the unknown will cause fear in you, but you've got to get past it. The unexpected also produces fear in us. They got in a boat, and the sea was perfectly calm. Matthew says that they just that they floated along or something along those lines, indicating that the that it was as perfectly calm as Old Hickory Lake on a fall after on a fall morning. But it didn't stay that way. The Sea of Galilee. Let me read these statistics, these, these numbers to you. The Sea of Galilee is fed by the Jordan River. It's 13 miles long, seven miles wide, 69 feet below sea level, and on both sides are cliffs which makes it a perfect funnel. So when winds hit just right, that sea becomes very tumultuous. And when I say very tumultuous, I mean it turns and it goes crazy. Imagine putting your boat in. I mean, any fishermen in here? One, two. Imagine putting your boat in the, in the lake. And then instantly... Winds coming and churning that lake up to where the sea is ten f- the the lake is now ten feet tall. Even in a sixty thousand dollar or seventy thousand dollar high end fishing boat, you in trouble. This is what they encountered. But you said they should have expected that. They're fishermen. They they wouldn't have expected it because it didn't happen very often. Still doesn't happen very often. It just does happen. Matter of fact, the last time that it happened, people read this passage and they're all, yeah, that kind of stuff happened all the time on the Sea of Galilee. It's not true. The last time that it happened was 1994. And the waves were recorded at 10 feet tall. And it, li- it, it almost destroyed the city of Tiberias on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Going from old, could you imagine the water on Old Hickory Lake immediately rising to 10 feet high in waves? No wonder they're scared. They weren't ready. They weren't prepared. It was something unexpected to them. But just because it was unexpected doesn't mean it should have been unexpected because even if they had never experienced it, someone should have experienced it Experienced it that they knew. And so they didn't prepare themselves very well. Preparation will kill the unexpected. If I prepare for a fight that I know might happen some point in the future, I'm going to fight better in that fight. There's a time at the uh, when I was at the police academy, they would train you. It takes 1.6 seconds to respond to a spontaneous threat. You know what that means, spontaneous threat? It means anything that might happen to you that you didn't expect to happen. It takes 1.6 seconds. It doesn't seem like a long time unless somebody's trying to stab you or shoot you, and then it seems like an eternity. Why? Primarily because it's unexpected and you weren't prepared for it and you weren't ready for it. But if you prepared yourself for that fight mentally, physically, prior to the fight happening, it decreased your reaction time by four times. So your reaction time went from 1.6 seconds to 0.4 seconds. We could deal with the problems in the world a lot easier and not walk in the fear that we walk in if we prepared ourselves for the fact that the problem is going to exist. Everybody knows what the problems are. Everybody knows what they're going to look like. Why are we not preparing in prayer and studying of the Word and and all of these things for the fight that we know is going to happen? 
Because we've blinded ourselves. We've determined that this is not going to happen to us. But you, can I tell you, most everybody that says, that deals with something, says at some point in their life, that's not going to happen to us. Angela and I are fond of like murder mystery, like the investigation shows, you know. And every time they say something along the lines of, man, that happens to other families, that don't happen to us. I'm here to tell you the fight happens to you. Be ready for it. Be expecting it. Don't be caught off guard by it. Finally, there's a, there's a third reason in this text that produces fear in us while we walk in fear. And that's because we perceive ourselves to, be to have been abandoned. In this text, it says in verse 38, Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They thought that he didn't care about them. They felt abandoned. He fell asleep at the wheel. Jesus, how are you going to leave us like this? Can I tell you, God hasn't left you. God hasn't abandoned you. He sees you where you are. His eyes roam to and fro according to the word of God. You can trust that he's not a... But, but Pastor Jim, every time I pray, I feel like my prayers are hitting the ceiling. I'm dealing with all this stuff. What's going on? Let me tell you what's going on. It's a, it's a quip I found on Facebook several years ago. It's not scriptural necessarily, but it's got a great principle in it. And it says this, the teacher is always silent during the test. Teacher never leaves the room during the test, but he, she's going to keep her mouth closed to make sure that you have the information and the wherewithal to do what you've been called to do. Perhaps instead of cursing the storm that you're in, thank God for the storm because the storm is what's going to cause you to be more righteous than you were before. It's going to create a perseverance in you, an ability in you that you didn't have prior to the storm. And I know somebody in this room right now is going, but that's, that's, that's just you talking to us. You, you don't deal with that kind of stuff. I do deal with that kind of stuff. But you know what I have faith in more than I have faith in my fear? Jesus. Amen. That Jesus did everything necessary to ensure that whatever would, should cause me fear won't cause me fear. Because the Word of God, as I described to you, says that I am redeemed, that He knows my name, that He sees me. And because He sees me, I have confidence that He holds me in His righteous right hand, that I am His people. He is, our, he is my God. All of the promises of the Word of God, that He knows the numbers of hairs on my head. And even as they begin to decrease, He still knows that number. He sees you. He knows you. The almighty, all-powerful creator God of the universe sees you, knows you, sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you so that you might be bought back so that you don't have to live in fear but so that you can walk in confidence. And confidence, my brother and sister, is just another word for faith. Faith kills fear. We have to determine which one of these we're going to live in. Because one of them is going to reside in our life. So enough talk about what causes the fear. Let's talk about how to solve this fear. How to unmask it. Faith unmasks fear when we trust. Faith unmasks fear when we trust. What are we trusting in? 
Verse 38 or 39 and 40 says this. And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? The first thing we need to trust, listen to me, please, if you don't hear anything else, we trust in the presence of God. I've covered this in this sermon already. I'm repeating it because I want you to hear it. Trust in the presence of God. God incarnate was present with them in that boat. How awesome would it have been had they remembered the promises of Psalm 89.9. You rule the swelling of the sea. When its waves rise, you steal them. <laughs> That's good stuff right there. It's like God had them put the Psalms in there just so that they'd be able to fall back on that. And then when it was time to fall back on that, they hadn't received revelation of that, so they were walking in fear instead of the faith that God calms the steel or steals the storm. And I know some of us walk out our storms every day. But God is our God. We are his people. He holds us by our, his righteous right hand, and we shouldn't anxiously look about us. We have to trust in the presence of God. I love how Moses not only trusted in the presence of God, but required it. In 33 verse 12 of Exodus, we read this, Then Moses said to the Lord, See you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said I have found, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you. That's, that's a mouthful of stuff right there, boy. Let me know your ways that I may know you. I'm going to preach a lesson on this, verse 13 at some point. If I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you, so that I might find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, this is Moses talking to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. He needed the presence of God so much that he said, don't even bother calling us out of this place if you're not willing to come with us. We need to learn to trust in the presence of God. Moses knew what he had dealt with, what he will deal with, what he was dealing with. But you know what he trusted above all of those things, all the anxiety that all of those things created? He trusted in the presence of God. And he trusted so much that he planted his feet. And I think boldly but not arrogantly looked at God and said, don't even bother. I'm not going if you're not willing to go with me. Isn't it time that we as people of God start having bold prayers like that? God, I'm not going. Unless you promise me you'll go with me. Show me. Walk with me. Give me that first step. Let me walk in the confidence that your word declares over my life. Let me, teach me how to trust that you are with me. David in his time of fear prayed these prayers. Psalms 56, 3-4. through 4, He says, when I am afraid. Anybody in here ever been afraid? He's not denying his fear. But he's saying, when I am afraid. I will put my trust in you. Some of you need to encourage yourself in the Lord. 
God, I'm afraid. But you know what's bigger than my fear today? You. Help me. Walk with me. Teach me. Show me. He says, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. He started with, I am afraid. Declared the goodness of God. And ended with, I shall not be afraid. Man, we need to get to that. Be honest with God. Declare God. And then walk away, not afraid. Encourage yourself in the Lord. God loves you. That's all I want to say today. God loves you enough that He wants to take anything that isn't of Him from you. Psalms 55, 22 says, Cast your burden upon the Lord, and He will sustain you. It doesn't say He might sustain you. He's thinking about sustaining you. It says He will sustain you. But there's a requirement that you cast your burden upon the Lord. You have to be willing to set it down. It doesn't mean set it down and then pick it back up because God didn't seem like He picked it up fast enough for you. I love that. I see this all the time. God, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to leave that on the altar. And it sits there for a minute. It doesn't work itself out as fast as you think it should. You'd be like, well, you know what, man? I'm just, just going to hold on to it for a minute. I'll get back with you later. All right, now, you know what, God? I'm going to set it down. Uh, maybe I'll just hold on to it for a second. Until eventually you just say, you know what, I'll just take care of it. And you fall flat on your face. Cast your burden upon the Lord and He will sustain you. Amen? Amen. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Mm, that's so good. We all understand the truth of Psalm 139.7. He says, where can I escape your presence? Read Psalms 139, it'll say, where can I go? Can I go here? Can I go there? Can I go over yonder? Can I do this, that, or the other thing? And be outside of your presence? And essentially he says, no, you can't. Because I'm everywhere. God is everywhere. But Jeremiah 23, 24 mirrors this same promise. Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel the heavens and the earth? Declare the Lord. I know I'm just reading a lot of verses to you. But can I tell you, i got no power of my own. All I can do to bring you comfort and peace is to declare the Word over your life. Because the Word won't fail you. Amen. Because God won't fail you. Not only do we have to trust the presence of God, but as we've just stated, we have to trust in the Word of God. I say it all the time, man. And I'm going to say it until you guys fire me. Read your Bible every day. I don't care if it's one verse a day. As long as you meditate on that one verse, let it really seep down into your heart. If you read one verse every day, meditated on it all day, you'd have that verse memorized by the end of the day. Imagine in one year having 365 verses memorized. Woo, you'd be powerful then, son. You'd be walking in the peace of God then. Because you know what I would do? I'd find promises for the situation that causes me fear first. And I would meditate on those first. And everybody has something different that they're dealing with, something else that causes them fear that may not cause me any fear. Read your word. Dust it off. 
People, I love people that say, man, God doesn't talk to me. And their Bible never gets open. God's trying to talk to you, but he's not going to force you. He wants a relationship with you. Trust in the word of God. Matthew chapter 6 says this. Such a familiar verse. Verse 25, but I want you to hold on to it. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life so as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Did you hear it? Take that home and meditate on that today. I say to you, do not be worried about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then it goes on and talks about God takes care of the birds of the air and feeds them. Are you not more important than them? I already talked to you about your worth. He says about the lilies of the field. They, they wear clothes more beautiful than anything you've ever put on. God worries about them. You don't think he's going to take care of you? He's going to meet your need. He may not meet your every want. But that's great. I think that's a blessing. Because your every want, until you get completely conformed to God, is destructive for you. Man, there's, less, there's, there's blessing in lack of desire. Some of y'all are going to catch that a little later and be all, oh, wow, that's, yeah, that's true. What I want to get to, though, is the last verse in this section, 33. Why don't we have to worry about our life, what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear? Because if we'll seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, everything that we would worry about, all these things will be added to you. That's, that's so good. And I'm trying to make a very simple message today. And that is God. His presence and His Word. When we put trust in them, is capable of unmasking the fear in your life. I want us to be people that can confidently walk and say, you know what, my circumstance shows me this, but my God shows me that. It's time we start stop telling our, our God about our problem. Start telling our problem about our God. God's bigger than what you have going on. Can we just believe that? I figure if we could believe that, man, we'd be all right. God's bigger than what I've got going on. And if I would just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness available in Christ Jesus, everything else will be added to me. Stop worrying. Stop being anxious. And just fall on the fact that God sees you and God loves you. Amen? One other point I want to make here real quick. Faith unmasks tomorrow's fear. Verse 41 says this. They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? If you'll do a word study on this verse and you can if you want to. 
It's not that they were terrified like they thought that God was going to kill them. Is that they became so aware of the presence of God in that moment that they fell into reverential fear. They began to reverence God for who He was. In that moment when He said, Hush, be still. And the waves immediately crashed down like you poured out a glass of water onto a calm surface. They looked and said, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him? At that moment they realized that the God in their boat was bigger than the problem outside their boat. We need to get to a place where we recognize this too. That it doesn't matter what your issue is today or tomorrow. Or really, some of us even fear the consequences of decisions we've made in our past. The God in your boat is bigger than the problem outside your boat. I want you to trust in that, to have confidence in that. And let me tell you, not only will that begin to grow your faith, but as you speak about those things, it'll grow the faith of the people around you. How many of us walk defeated because we haven't heard the testimony out of someone else's mouth where God delivered them from the thing that we're dealing with? Don't shut the goodness of God up in your mouth. If God does something for you, tell everybody that you can tell. If God provides for you, tell everybody that you can tell. If God gives you that desire that you've had, tell everybody that you can tell. Because I promise you're not the only one dealing with the issue you're dealing with. If we stood up and said, you know what, I had that situation happen in my life. But I want to let you know this is how God worked that out for me. In me, my family, my finances, whatever my issue is, is better because I trusted Him. And if you'll trust Him too, they'll be better for you. Our faith kills fear. Not just in us, but in the people around us. But you know what? We need to deal with our fear first. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I don't know what you're fearful of. How, what does my future look like? I don't have the money I need to do such and such. My family is unsaved and I don't want to be in heaven without that. I don't know what your fear is, but I'll tell you God's bigger than whatever that is. If you have something that you're fearful of, and I don't want you to be ashamed, I don't want you to be bashful, this is the family of God. We are commanded to pray with you, encourage you, and lift you up. If you're dealing with any of those things, teenagers, I'm talking to you too. Something's going on in your school that you don't understand, and it's causing you problems. The presence of God, the Word of God, will bring a peace into your life like you've never seen.